Good morning. Good to see you this morning. I was uh, in Colorado last week and uh, speaking to college students from around the state of Colorado, different campuses there, and uh, spoke five times to them on the weekend. So this is an easy weekend for me. One time. That's that's a piece of cake. Um, anyway, uh, when I got home last um, Sunday night, flew in, I decided to watch a little news and saw the news about uh, the shooting that was going on. I think the shooter was still active in Las Vegas when I turned on the news. I know that many of us have been affected. Maybe you know somebody who knows somebody or you had a friend or uh, a family member who was affected by the shooting. I'd like to just pause and pray for, for the folks affected by that. Father, we look at everything that's going on in the world and it, it can, it can really break our hearts to see the choices some people make to hurt others. And Father, we, we just ask for your help in the midst of moments like this, God. We, I pray for those who've lost loved ones. I pray for their comfort, for their peace. I pray that you'd use this event to draw them to yourself. I pray, God, that you'd bring healing to those who've been injured. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that, God, you would bring healing and help to them in this moment, and that, again, they would turn to you. And I pray that you would use this in the lives of people for your good, for your purpose. And God, we, we just ask that uh, you'd give us insight as we walk into uh, this message today, that you'd really help us understand what you're saying to us and give us the power to take the steps that you're laying on our hearts to take, God. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah, one of the members of the church in Orangecrest was affected by they they were in they were at the concert and were shot and made me think of just how close we are to all these events that are going on in the world. I I, I think it's there are very few degrees of separation between us now uh, as we walk through life. So. Just wanted to pray uh, for them, lead us in that. We're in, we're in a, a message series we've called Unfazed, and we're looking at what it takes really to move forward in spite of various kinds of trouble. And I, I admit, I, I can get phased <laughs> by things that go on and, and the uncertainty that we face and the trouble that we meet in the world. Um, We've been talking about distractions, intimidation last week. Uh, I understand John McCorder did a really good job speaking on that. He stepped in for us. And what we've been doing is we've been digging into the Psalms, which is a prayer and praise book. And what the value, one of the values of the Psalms, there's a tremendous amount of value in them, but one of the values is that when, when you're in a, when you're in a state of confusion or uncertainty or you're not quite sure what's going to happen next, they give you a, a, a place to go. They give, they actually, they show us through the examples of the writers of the Psalms. They were written by uh, 
a bunch of different people. But in, in the Psalms, we have examples of what you do with the thoughts and emotions as you walk through the things that we face in life, the trouble that we have to deal with. Tremendously helpful. They're, they're like a prayer and praise book God's given us. And they show us particularly, we're not talking about being unfazed in the sense of, well, you just, nothing bothers you, or, hey, it doesn't really get to my heart to see what goes on in the world. That's, that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is, how do I face the trouble that I face in the world and, and not get derailed by it? How, how do I deal with that? How, where do I go? What do I do? Today we're talking about uncertainty. And early in our marriage, Cindy and I faced some uncertainty. Uh, very early, before we got engaged, I remember I had a plan. And I, when I asked for my father-in-law's blessing to marry Cindy, I laid out the plan because he wasn't sure about her marrying a preacher. And, you know, I, I understood that. And um, his main concern was being the pastor of a church is not very lucrative. So I, I had my plan ready. I... I laid it out. I said, this is what's going to happen. Um, my brother works at General Motors in Southgate. He's going to get me a job at, at the, the General Motors plant, and I'm going to work the last year of Cindy's school, college, and I'm going to pay her way through the last year of school. And then when that wraps up, we're going to move to seminary, to graduate school in Fort Worth, and that's that's kind of the way it's going to go. That's 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 my plan. I'm not quite sure what he thought of my plan, but he reluctantly gave his blessing. <laughs> and now I understand that. OK, I just had a daughter get married. I get all that. That's the way it is. So I was making four hundred dollars a week. Now, that doesn't sound much, like much today, but at General Motors, I was I was rolling. Because rent was $140 a month. So I could pay that and then some with one paycheck. And so I was rolling in it. But here's what happened to my plan. I started working in January, the last semester of my college. I'd, I'd work till about 12 or 1 in the morning, and then I'd get up and go to school. I started working, and I, so I worked for about six months. And then the gas crunch of 1979 occurred, the gas, the gas trouble worldwide. And they didn't need as many Cadillacs at that moment that they needed prior. We were building Cadillacs, Chevy Caprices, and Impalas. And so I got laid off. My plan was shot to pieces. It was such a beautiful plan. It was so well laid out. It convinced my father-in-law. It took three months to find another job. That's when you find out your major in school wasn't that marketable. (laughs) But God provided. And he wanted me to get off of easy street and start to learn to live by faith. This is God's design and the whole experience. I've found God faithful to provide 
more than enough courage to face the uncertainty from, from, you know, that was like my first real adult experience with, oh no, what am I going to do? This has happened. And I found God to provide more than enough courage to help me in these times. Can you remember a time when you faced uncertainty? Maybe you're in a time like that right now. We all have moments when we're being stretched by the circumstances of our lives. Things are beyond what we can know and what we can control. When, when we can't know what next or, what's next or control what's next, this can phase us. This can unsettle us. We like to have a sense of what's coming next, what's before us, and what's around the turns of life. Most of us, we like to have a plan, and we like to work the plan. Now, it might be a broad, general plan. Some of us like more detailed plans. But we like to have an idea in our mind as to what's going to happen. Life is mostly uncertain, though. Uh, The future is totally uncertain. We have no clue what the future holds for us. Uh, Our kids, our friends, our goals, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, Turn on the news and there's a live shooter, active shooter at a concert. Uh, There are natural disasters. This this is really a horrendous hurricane season right now. Um, There there was a massive earthquake in Mexico, 7.1, that no one predicted. And here in California, we're just sort of waiting for the next one. Um, Economic uncertainty, stock market can be like a roller coaster. It's going up right now. But, you know, most people are just sort of bracing themselves to see what happens with the economy. These things are out of our control. The job market shifts. I read an article this morning in the paper, and this is the headline. AI and robots will threaten jobs in the next five years. Just, you know, is that, uh, that's that's unsettling. You know, these things are going on all around. We need a refuge that can last in these moments. Life change happens. I'm getting close to a new decade in my life. And... I have a whole new set of concerns as I enter that decade that I didn't have in my 20s or earlier. You know, things, life changes. Life, we're in season, we're in phases of life. And so what we're looking at is how do you handle the phases of life, the changes in life, all the uncertainty that's going on in a way that doesn't allow, doesn't cause you to Jump the tracks. Uncertainty comes in our jobs, our family, our goals. And often what we do in uncertainty is we try to figure out how to protect ourselves. We build fortresses. Popular Mechanics did an article on the 20, the world's 20 most impressive fortresses. Check, check, check a couple of these out. <clears throat> These take an incredible amount of time to erect. <clears throat> this is Chittagar, or Fort of Chittor, uh, built in the 7th century during the Mora Empire in India. And <clears throat> it has a long, one-mile-long twisty road to get up to it. They're not going to make it easy for you to get there. Um, 
it, it has seven gateways guarded by watchtowers with iron spark doors and a reservoir that holds one billion gallons of water that because of the, if, with the rainfall, it could sustain 50,000 troops for four years. Pretty incredible. They're, they're, they're hunkering down. They're building their fortress to, to fight off a siege. Here is Prague Castle. I just like the look of this one. It's the largest coherent castle complex in the world. It was built around 18, eight, or 880 A.D., um, the Fort of Chitor was built in uh, 7th century. The, these fortresses are carefully constructed to, people, to, to protect the people who go into them. We, we don't have the resources to build this kind of protection in, in our lives, but uh, there are some fortresses that we build, like future plans. That was my plan that I rolled out to my father-in-law was my, my little fortress, it was my plan. It was, it was the way I was going to make it moving forward. Uh, the question about our fortresses that we construct is, where, where does your mind run to when you face uncertainty? Where, where does it run to? What do you think about? What do you rely on? And my plan was my fortress there. You, you may have plans. Uh, things are uncertain, but if my plan is solid, I've checked over it, other people have checked it, checked it again, maybe we could be protected against the unknown. We put our hope in our plan. Our retirement fund is like this. We can be under tremendous amount of pressure to get to that magic number for retirement. And for sure, I should have listened to the guy who came through our class in graduate school and put some money aside little by little over time. That's, there's no doubt in that. But we, we, we put, if we put our hope in our retirement fund, if we can just get to that number, there's, we're going to arrive at the place where we're just untouched by trouble. For some of us, we plan to find experts to help us. If we ever get in trouble, I'm going to find an expert. And whatever it is, Maybe it's um, some kind of uh, psychological help or spiritual help or maybe it's some other kind of trouble that we run into uh, more in a more physical way with our house. Maybe our house is struggling along and we need some experts to come help us figure out the best, cheapest way to repair it. Um, we, we have these... Experts in my, somebody's going to know enough to help me through this. Um, our plan could be to lean on family and friends. When things look uncertain, it's helpful to have loving and family and friends around for sure. But what if they don't have what we need? What are we going to do then? We, we can expect too much from our family and friends at times as we lean on them. Do you have a favorite fortress? that you run to in the middle of uncertainty. It's easy to think we're going to arrive at a phase of life where we're untouched by trouble. We just keep trying to get there. It doesn't come, but we just keep trying to get there. If we're honest with ourselves, we know these fortresses that we build can't hold up. Here's, here's a decaying castle. 
from the 1400s. You know, some, sometimes our fortresses look like this. Other times they look like a shack where the big bad wolf from the three little pigs could just blow it down, no problem. It's just not going to protect us from anything. We need more than man-made fortresses. We need a refuge at Calas. And there's a passage in the Psalms that we're going to dig into this morning, Psalm 46, that shows us God wants to be our only refuge. This, this is what God wants. The trouble we experience falls along a spectrum, from slight annoyance to major difficulty. And not, not to be a David Downer, but in reality, we're all responding to trouble or difficulty on some level most days. I, I can't remember having a trouble-free day. The strength of the refuge we seek in our times of trouble determines how well we come out on the other side. If we run to a flimsy refuge, we crumble inside since it doesn't hold up. When we need to be strong, we're not because our fortress is crumbling. There's a promise in Psalm 46 that Christ followers can hold on to in the middle of uncertainty. And I'd like to read through. We're going to read through this whole passage today and walk through it. Psalm 46, 1 through 3. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Now, we tend to think the way things are are the way things are always going to be. That's, that's one of the ways we can think. This passage wants us to imagine showing up here on Sunday morning, looking out those windows, and the mountains are gone. They're gone. You drive home, and you're, it's a little unsettling. You expect the mountains to be there. I don't know about you, but they orient me in this area. I know which direction they are. <laughs> that helps me get oriented to where I'm at. And it's a little unsettling to think well, the mountains are gone. Then you're driving home after worship, and you hear a, a news report that says uh, that they were actually thrown into the heart of the Pacific Ocean. This is, this is what the passage is saying here. Just imagine this. Consider that even if that happens, I'm going to run to God. If that can happen, what you and I know is less certain, for sure. <laughs> because you just expect the, the mountains to be there. Um, the, the passage also describes the earth giving away. Imagine coming home and this, this has happened to your house. This, this house fell into a sinkhole. Who, who are you going to call? That's the question. What, who are you going to run to for help? The passage here says, go to God first. He's our refuge. He's a refuge, he's a strength, he's a very present help in times of trouble. He will give the strength you and I need to deal with uncertainty. Here's the promise. God will be our strength and a very present help in the middle of the uncertainty. Strength here means that he's going to give us the fortitude. If we lean on him, he'll give us the fortitude to deal with the trouble the right way. 
A very present help is a combination of Hebrew words. This was originally written in Hebrew. It's a combination of Hebrew words that mean he will meet you in your present circumstances and provide the help you need. This is the promise from God. This is, this is what we can lean on. We can either turn to God who promises to help or turn to people, ourselves included, and the fortresses we're trying to build and ask for help, get help, rely on, lean on the resources that we need to deal with the trouble. God will respect our choice. If we, if we don't turn to him, though, we're missing an opportunity to ask the God of the universe for help who has all the resources at his disposal. He, he can help us. When we try to protect ourselves, it looks like something like this, just a little barbed wire around the house, you know, not not too protected. God, God may very well use some of the resources you and I would turn to. He may he may deploy friends or family or co-workers or fellow members of the church body. He He may. He may give us access, unexpected access to a spur, uh, an expert. I, this week, I, I've, been, I've been trying to make a decision, and somebody said, hey, you ought to call them. I was like, yeah, an expert. <laughs> and he really was an expert. He was able to help me. You know, God, if you lean on God, though, I was praying about that decision. I was asking God for help. And there, there it is. He, he, he made deploy. Some of the resources that you would run to, but your first move is to God. You're relying on Him. The experience is way different if you're trusting God, not the other people or yourself or the fortresses that you have erected. You you don't put pressure on the people you ask for help if you're trusting God. Because you've turned to God and you've asked Him for help. I've, I've been disappointed many times when I've thought, I've been in the middle of trouble, some kind of uncertainty, and I've, I've I thought, well, okay, I, they'll be able to help me. Give them a call. They're just, they're just not available. Whoa. <laughs> what am I going to do? But... If I turn to God, I trust him. Hey, God, I know, you, I know you're going to help. You're a very present help in times of trouble. I know I can trust you to give the help that I need. I've done this both ways. Turning to God and turning to people or turning to myself. When I turn to God, there's help, the help I need because he has the resources to help. He, he can deploy. He can move things around. He, he arranges the help I need. I've seen this time and time and time again. He's never left me hanging. If I try to handle the uncertainty of my own, I, I can't see the big picture. I, I can't bring the resources together to meet my need. I can try, but I can't do it. I remember uh, when I was wrapping up our time in seminary, uh, in graduate school, it was our son Thad was uh, 
about one year. I think it might have been, it was his first or second Christmas, and we had no money for Christmas presents. And I remember after, after this experience, my mom saying, why didn't you let me know? I would have given you money. And that was, that was exactly my point. I, God had sort of told me, hey, Randy, just trust me in this. Don't, don't, don't call mom. You know, just, just see what happens here. And you know, I'm, I'm a man. I like to provide for my family. And my son is a toddler, and he's not going to get any Christmas presents. And, and a, an amazing thing happened in the middle of all that. Uh, on Christmas Eve, somebody somehow gave us $200. I think it was slipped under our mat, or I don't know. Somehow, I know I didn't get a text didn't exist. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, 200, man, we had a great time shopping because there's some tremendous deals on Christmas Eve in those days. I mean, nobody's out shopping. <laughs> and it was a really good time. That turned out to be training for me in starting this church. You know, the Lord had provided, I think, a total of $950 a month to live on. And rent was $750 a month. How, how? Now, okay, that may call into question my sanity. <laughs> because how is that going to happen? How is, how is God going to provide for my family and give us the resources to build a ministry as we're trying to do that? How, how is that going to happen? Well, those experiences getting laid off at General Motors, the Christmas thing with, with you know, wouldn't have no money. Those were, tra- God was using that to train me, to deal with uncertainty, to walk by faith, to not be able to see what's ahead, and to trust him to provide. And he has always come through, always. You're in the middle of, if you're in the middle of uncertainty and as you face uncertainty in the future, God wants to use that to train you to walk by faith. He, he wants to help you. He wants you to turn to Him. He's a refuge. He's our strength. He's a very present help in times of trouble. We can say with the psalmist, I will not fear, even when things are not certain because I've seen him come through time and time again. God wants you to build your own story of trusting him in the middle of uncertainty and watching him come through. If we turn to God in the middle of uncertainty, we can find joy and delight. Look at the next couple verses. Psalm 46, 4 and 5. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. Now, the reference here to the city of God is a reference to the temple in Jerusalem. The city, Jerusalem, that's where the temple is. That's where God lived. And in our day, the, the, uh, the temple has shifted from Jerusalem to the church. God inhabits, God lives in his church in a special way. And so what he's saying here is 
There's a city whose streams make glad the city of the, the people of God. There's, there's a city where we can go and find joy and delight. And that, that city is our, our church family. What you tend to do in the middle of uncertainty is you hunker down into the fortress you've constructed. You pull back into that, into that fortress. And what God wants us to do is stay connected to the city of God, stay connected to the church community who can help you walk through this thing. This is one of, one of the resources God mobilizes and wants us to tap into are the, the people of God around us. A major resource God provides is the church, a community of believers to walk through life with. If, if you're not a church person, but you're drawn to the church, it's because God is here. And it's because we're building on His truth. Take away the Lord's presence or compromise the truth and it doesn't make you glad. That's how you get sad. We band together to do God's will in the world and as we do, God is in the midst of us. And we shall not be moved. The church. Joy is found in the fellowship. Don't pull away when you're in trouble. Don't, don't do that. Just pull in. Pull in. So the church is a major resource God uses to help in the middle of uncertainty. It's also the only place you're going to be reminded to take refuge in God for the strength and help you need. Let's move on. The next few verses. Psalm 46, 6 and 7 and then 11. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. A fortress is a place to run for cover. God is in control of history. And as we turn to him, we find the courage to deal with what we're facing through his presence with us. We, we can't influence the nations, the leaders of nations, to avoid war. We're not in control of the economy. We don't know what's going on in the job market. We're, these things are out of our control. But if we turn to God, who wants to be our fortress, he gives the confidence we need to rise above the circumstances and live for our purpose. A refuge in verse 1, uh, it, it said God is our refuge. That's a shelter in the storm. In verse 7 here, the word is a high fort to prepare for a fight. And there's, there's two different um, images here. It's always in, in a battle, when you're battling with uncertainty and confusion and, and you're wrestling with this, it's always to your advantage to be in a high place. Check out these forts. These are the Monsell forts. From uh, These are also in the top 20. I think they're cool. But the British built them to protect against the German submarines. And so they, they needed a high position to see what was happening in the ocean. This one, this is Gibraltar. Um, Gibraltar is an armed and fortified fort on top of that rock with a sheer face to it. And it helped them withstand the siege after siege on Britain. 
Psalm 46 is telling us if you turn to God in uncertainty, he helps you rise above your circumstances. This, this is the promise of God. And he helps you see what's going on from his vantage point, from a different vantage point. This is the help he gives. I found that he gives the strength and courage I need to face uncertainty. If, if we understand our identity and our role in Christ, if you're a Christ follower, and you can understand what he's done for you and the help that he brings to you, then you gain the advantage over your circumstances. I, I experience, one of the things that happens to me when I'm in the middle of uncertainty is I experience self-doubt. Oh, you know, and then I start putting myself down and I start struggling with what to do next. And one of the things I realized several years ago is that I'm in a battle when that's starting to happen. When I'm starting to put myself down, when I'm doubting, you know, what I've done to get here, when I, whatever, when I'm in that confusion, when I'm getting phased by what's going on, I am in a fight. And a passage that really helps me, it's not going to be on the screen, but a passage that really helps me in those moments is Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. It says, but because of, his, but because of, because of God's great love for us, he has, uh, but because of God's great mercy, he has shown his love to us. This is a paraphrase because I'm not bringing it back to my mind. But because of his great love for us, God, who is great in mercy, has uh, saved us. Not because of my works, not because, but because of his work on the cross, because of what Jesus has done on the cross. And then it says, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So in Christ, I'm raised up. I ha- I'm in a high. I- he's given me a very high position spiritually. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. What, what that tells me is, if I'm struggling with confusion and I'm beating myself up and I'm, I'm not accepting what Christ has done for me on the cross and his grace, then I'm in a fight. I'm in a battle. And I can, by accepting the grace of God, I can rise above the circumstances. And if I set my heart on his purpose, which is in the middle of the uncertainty, to show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ, then I can have victory. So I get the vantage point of a drone on a battlefield as I learn to trust God this way, as I learn to let him work through me and in me through the uncertainty. In spite of the chaos around us, God gives us what we need to win the battle and move forward. If we've turned to ourselves and work to protect ourselves, we're tempted to do something we don't have the capacity to do. God is the one who protects us and helps us. If you walk with God in faith, he's writing a story about his faithfulness in your life and his help for you, his strength. And help 
keep track of what God is doing and, and think it over when you hit these times. Here's what Psalm 46, 8 through 10 says. Come, behold the works of God, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns, with, he burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. We're instructed here to be still. To stop all activity, that's what it means. The word know has to do with observing through experience. So you're thinking through your experiences. The times God has come through for you. So the command is to think about the ways God has provided for you. He is exalted among the nations and works daily for our good. We have an example from the life of Martin Luther that shows how to turn to God when things are uncertain. Luther was a great reformer of the church. Uh, God used him to bless many, many people. We're still blessed by the, the shifts he made in theology and the understanding of God and how the church operates. Um, but he faced tremendous opposition and danger for his convictions that salvation was by faith alone and for his trust in God's word, the Bible. 1527 was one of the toughest years for Luther. On April 22nd, a dizzy spell stopped him as he was preaching in the pulpit in the middle of a sermon. For the prior 10 years, since publishing his 95 theses against the corruption and heresy in the church, um, he had faced political and theological storms. His life was in constant danger. Um, He continued to battle for truth, and even some of his friends, he received friendly fire from other fellow reformers, and he had to battle to refute their error. He was deeply disturbed, angry, and in severe depression. While fighting all those fights, the plague broke out in Wittenberg, where he lived in Germany. Even though his wife was pregnant, Luther stayed to care for the sick in Wittenberg, and his home became a makeshift hospital. He watched many friends die during the plague. His son became ill. In the middle of all this turmoil, Luther wrote one of the most famous hymns, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And I understand that after 9-11, three days after 9-11, all of the living presidents gathered and there was a packed house of people and they sang this hymn. Here's the words to the hymn. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. A bulwark is a, a wall of defense. Our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe does seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate on earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide? Our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Just ask who that may be. Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Saboth is his name. His name from age to age the same. And he must win the battle. Here's the idea. Jesus fights our battles for us. That's our confidence. When we get into the times when we're struggling with self-doubt, put your confidence in God. He's the only one that has the resources to help. 
He's the one that can help. Can you imagine what God can do through a group of people who really believe this? If we can have this type of confidence in God, nothing we face can take us down. It won't derail us. Nothing unknown can overcome the God whom we can know and walk with in life. As I wrap up this morning, I want to encourage you to take a next step. We're going to take a next step collectively and sing the song that Luther wrote, the first thing after I pray at the end of the message here. But there are other next steps that maybe God laid on your heart. Um, Here are some suggested next steps. Read Psalm 46 on my own this week and pick a verse to memorize out of it. So there may be a good verse you want to grasp and and memorize. Maybe verse 1. God is my refuge and my strength. My very present help in times of trouble. Or there may be another step that God's laid on your heart. Let's pray and then we'll sing together. Father, we thank you for your word that strengthens us in and of itself, but you, God, are the one we run to. Help us, God, to run to you and not ourselves, to help us not to construct our own fortresses, but help us to run to you as a fortress and put together to put together the help that we need. We trust you, God. We thank you for the, the work that you do in us, the work that you do through us, and the help that you want to bring. We thank you so much for that. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.